listening to David's message and I thought, man, he's saying everything I was going to say. Um, he just used bigger words. Um, but be, before I even get into it, I mean, you know, because we're all, we're all of this one heart, this one mind, and I've loved my partnership with David and, and our friendship and just pursuing ministry together. Um, but last night I was, uh, I was thinking about this time I spoke at a conference. It was like 15 years ago. Um, I spoke at a conference, a Bible conference with uh, Dr. John MacArthur. Some of you guys have heard of him. And uh, about 15 years ago, you know, he speaks, I speak, you know, and, and you know, I was early in the speaking thing, and you get nervous around like a big name guy, and, and, uh, and he comes up to me afterwards, and we, we had a little talk, and, and he says, man, it was, it was fun watching you up there. He goes, uh, it was good to see you, you know, telling jokes and laughing. And then he goes, I used to be funny. <laughs> I'm like, no, shut up, you know, but uh, he, 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 but, but he went on and he just says, you know, ministry, the stories you run into and the pressures and the pain that people go through, the criticism you start getting over the years, it starts building up and pretty soon nothing's funny anymore. And he says, man, don't lose what you had up there. Don't stop laughing. And I, I, for some reason, that, 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 that incident just was in my head last night because I, I'm starting to feel that now, you know? And I, I thought, man, before we get into discipleship, you're going to hear so many messages. I wonder how many of you here today are just feeling like, man, that describes me. Man, I used to laugh so much. Man, I used to just remember just falling on the ground laughing and all these things happening, all this pressure, all this criticism, and it just feels like nothing's funny anymore. I was talking to a guy last night, good friend of mine, great pastor, man of God, just going, man, as we're talking about rejoicing, he goes, I, I honestly don't remember the last time I, I just had joy doing ministry, or I thought, man, I'm having joy in the ministry. It's like I had to escape ministry to have joy, and, and, and as I thought about it, I just wonder how many of us in this room have just been on this survival mode. Um, because it's tough, and making disciples is hard, and this focus on discipleship is difficult. I mean, one of the most difficult things is you can spend so much time with one or two people, and then they go off the deep end, and you go, I just wasted two years of my life, <laughs> right? And it's not, it's not fun, you know, where there's other things you can do in ministry that give the appearance of life and fruit. And it's like, wow, well, I didn't fail. Look, look, you know, look at how many people are there. And yet discipleship, it's, it's difficult and it can get depressing. It gets so sad when you see someone you invested so much time in decide, this isn't, this isn't me. And I'm going another direction. And so I just thought, man, I just want to pray a prayer over you. I really believe like something is about to happen as I pray over you. This is just something I wanted to do last night as I was thinking about what to say today. I thought, man, I, I would love to, I mean, I thought about what to say. <laughs> I've been preparing for months. But, uh, it, it, you know, but last night I was just brushing up and I, I, I was thinking, what do I want to say to these guys? And I thought, man, I would love to just pray a prayer of joy over you. 
and really believe that that could happen uh, because God says rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And sometimes, you know, even conferences can feel burdensome because we hear all these messages and how we're just doing everything wrong. <laughs> and uh, you just leave like, oh, man. And, and I just go, man, I, I certainly don't want to do that. I know I'm part of the blame and some of that. I, I don't want that for you. I want you to rejoice. I want you to rejoice in the Lord. I want to rejoice in the Lord. I want this to be a time of joy um, because remember who we are, okay? Remember what David just preached. I mean, God put his Holy Spirit inside of us. We're, we're temples of the living God. We're children of God. Almighty God is up there in heaven looking at us, his adopted children that he thought about before the creation of the world. And we can't walk around with this lack of joy. That's not what he wants for his kids. He wants us so blown away by his truth that with great joy we proceed in this conference and with ministry. So let me just pray this over you. Father, I just, I felt a, a burden, God, the last couple months that you didn't want me to feel. God, I bring that on myself. We bring it upon ourselves, Lord. We take ourselves too seriously. We, we, we trust in your spirit too little, God. And we, we tend to lose our joy. And so, Father, I pray for the men and women in this room right now, Lord. I believe you hear me in heaven. Because of the blood of Jesus, I boldly approach your throne and say, Father, just restore that joy of our salvation. Help us to be your children, just running around rejoicing in the Lord always, always, because you are good, you are so good. We're gonna be with you any second, any moment, we're gonna see you, and all pain will be gone, everything will be gone, we'll just be there in your presence, worshiping your son, enjoying the fellowship with each other, and Lord, we can't wait for that day. Thank you for making all of that possible. What would life be without you? You are everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I mean, we're, 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 all, we're all after the same thing, right? I, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. Um, don't we all just want to see like someone who is dead in their trespasses and sins and don't we want to watch as God's spirit enters that person and just has them come alive where there's just like a joy a life where we're going no way look at him look at her like that that's just isn't that like the greatest joy when you see that happen right before your eyes that's what we're all after right the Spirit of God came in and transformed a person to where it's shocking, just as shocking as seeing a dead body come to life. I mean, don't we all want to see I mean, can you imagine a dead, going to a funeral and watching a, a body rise from the grave? You'll never forget that, <laughs> right? Right? For those who have seen it, you know, it's crazy, huh? But... Uh, but it's that picture that God gives to those who are dead in their trespasses where you're just shocked, like, there's no way that could have happened to her. It's supernatural, it's unexplainable, and when, when people see that, it's, it's shocking. It's, it's like what Paul says about the Thessalonian church, right? When, when he says in, uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4, he says, uh, 
Where am I? Okay, here it is. We know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full power and in the Holy Spirit, full conviction, you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report to us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Yeah, Paul says to this church, man, I don't even have to talk about your faith because everyone saw, they saw you were dead, you're following these us, they saw that change. And he goes, I don't even have to tell people about you. You guys are preaching it yourself. Your message is known all throughout Macedonia. Okay? Everyone's hearing about you. I don't have to beg you to share the gospel. Man, you've just come alive. Everyone's heard about I mean, isn't that what we're after? It's like, I want to see that happen. I want to see that happen. I also want to, I want to be a part of a gathering where there's supernatural love, where you walk into a group of people and everyone, literally everyone in that room loves you. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if you walked in today and you had a confidence that every single individual in this room loved you? Could you imagine how that would feel? I'm not just saying this, this little feeling they have in their heart, no, or, or a general love, but where, no, I'll, 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 what's mine is yours. Like, I care about you. You're my sister. Like that type of love in this room. Man, could you imagine? Have you ever been a part of a group where if, if, if an unbeliever walked in, they would go, this is impossible. There's no way a group of people could love each other that much. Seriously, th think about it. Have you ever been a part of a church where love was so evident that it was literally, this can't happen, this isn't humanly possible. It would take the supernatural Holy Spirit to create this type of unity. Have you ever been a part of that? Or are most of the gatherings where we go, man, I've, I've been tighter with other groups. AA, wherever else, you know, Boy Scouts. It, it's just, you, you know, where you just go, man, what, what? It, Boy Scouts, where to come up with that one? Um, you know, you spend months preparing this talk and then you come up with Boy Scouts. Um, but it's that whole idea of, man, I would just love to be a part of a group like that where it's supernatural. And uh, I would love to see the day when those changed lives, the dead coming to life, and those loving bodies become our apologetics, you know? Where everyone's drawn to that. And they go, man. I mean, we know that would draw people, right? 
If people are working with a total pagan that has no care for God, all about himself, herself, into their own thing, and then suddenly this spirit comes into them and they're transformed, people are going to notice. They're going to be attracted to that. And if there was a group of people who really said, you know, we're so focused on the mission and eternity that, man, you are my brother and sister. I don't care about my stuff. Where there's not a single needy person amongst them. Man, that would attract people. But I feel like uh, some of us have given up on that dream and we've found other ways to attract people. And we go, well, I can't really control whether the Holy Spirit comes into a person's life, but I can control a service well enough to attract people. I can't control the happenings in that room enough to where it'll get people and, and fill the room. But this other part, that's kind of out of our control. See, what I, what I dream of, and I just want to die pursuing here in this country, is I want the day to come when the world looks on to the church and they are shocked to the point of fear. Where, where it's, it's like in um, the Bible, in, in Philippians, in, uh, <laughs> just blank for a second, Philippians 1, this is what I mean, Philippians 1, verse 27, he says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to you and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. That's what I mean, like, like, can we have a gathering where we're so tight, we're striving side by side, so, and it says, not afraid of anything. That's what I mean by, can that type of body take place, you know, where, where the world looks on and it's scary to them? It says, is that type of unity that's actually going to cause them to recognize their, their destruction and our salvation? Or they go, man, they're, they're onto something over there. I've never seen that type of unity, that type of fearlessness, that type of courage. I've never seen people come to life like that. I'm not ready to do that. But in their soul, it, there's a fear because they go, you know what? There's something right about that. And my concern is I, I think it's very easy to settle for something else because we can't control that. We can't make that happen. It takes a dependence on God and there's other things we can control and I feel like we make like this, this I do this, I do this, so I'm not judging anyone here, I do it. Where, where we have like this safe zone right here where I know I can prepare a service where even if the Holy Spirit doesn't do anything, it's still going to be good. You know what I'm talking about. You know, if you got the right singers or the right soloists or the right story to end with, you kind of know it's not going to fail. 
It, it can't drop down to here where people walk out and go, that was so stupid. No way, not after that video. They can't do that, right? There's a safe zone, but the problem with that safe zone is you don't get up here either. You know what I mean? You see, what I see in the Apostle Paul is he's saying, man, if you want to reach these highs, if you want to see that type of body, you've got to take some risk. You've got to put all of your trust in the gospel. You've got to trust that. That's, that's that whole 1 Corinthians. That, that's the whole 1 Corinthians passage, what he's saying, that Paul made some specific decisions where he says, uh, he goes, I didn't come with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Paul's saying, look, I could empty the cross of its power if I came trusting in these eloquent words. See, that's the safe zone. Paul could have come with some wise words so all the Corinthians would go, man, that guy's smart. You can't lose with that. Just use your intellect. Just be smart enough and you won't lose. You're in the safe zone, Paul. Oh, Paul's up with these sophists, these so however you say that, smartest. The, the, is it sophists or sophists? Sophists. Um, he's with them. He's brilliant. I think he's been smart in some of that. He's in that safe zone. He goes, no, you know what? I don't want to empty the cross of its power. He goes, you know what? I chose, I, I resolved to know nothing. Paul chose to do that. He goes, I, I chose to come down here. And I, I think, man, how, how many of us have ever done that? Went into a situation and purposely made ourselves look dumber than we actually are. When do you ever do that? Because I can tell you many situations where I've walked in and tried to sound smarter than I really am. Sound like I've got it more together than I really do. I've been in, you know, situations where people are having conversations. I have no idea what they're talking about, and I'm nodding my head. <laughs> I do that. And Paul says, you know what? I, I, I'm going to go down here. I just resolved to know nothing except the cross, because I don't want to empty it of its power. And so I didn't come with this superior speech, which he could have. He says, I didn't come proclaiming you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of God, but in the power of God. Man, I'm just saying, have we given up on that dream? Like, do you, seriously, do you still believe in the power that's in the simple message of the cross still? That would look so foolish to just get up in front of a group of people and say, look, you're a created being. This isn't about you. There is a creator up there who made you. And you have offended him, despite what everyone else says. You have broken his laws. You're not a good person. And yet in the midst of your lifestyle of rebellion against God, he so loved you and he wanted to demonstrate to the whole world his love. And he has his son. Yeah, that's, I know, God, eternal came down, the creator of it all came down and, and took the form of an infant. 
I know that sounds crazy, but he did. He grew up and was persecuted, died on a cross. And on that cross, he was paying for everything you've done. He was buried, and on the third day, he rose from the dead. And he's coming back. He's coming back one day. But for now, for those of us who lose our lives, who are ready to repent and be baptized and actually die to ourselves, he gives us a promise that he's going to put his very spirit in us and give us new life, give us this new power, power to put to death the deeds of the flesh, to impact other people, to make disciples. And then one day he's going to return and he's going to judge the world and he is going to separate the sheep from the goats. And there'll be those he'll say, well done, come on in. You're with me for eternity. Let me wipe away every tear, every sickness, every pain. And to others he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Like, do you believe there's power in what I just said? Like, seriously, there's just, there's just a power there and that, that someone could hear those words and, and because the Spirit of God would just be work, because God would give them ears to hear. Something we can't control, right? Because what he says in that next chapter, he goes, look, no, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. That means your eyes, it's not like you take in this information because your human eyes can just see it. We get all our information through our eyes and our ears, basically, right? You hear something, you see something, you take it in. But he's saying, look, this isn't something you just take in through your eyes, through your ears. This is something God has to reveal. And it's not something you can conjure up in your own spirit. It says no, no, no mind has ever imagined. And that's so popular today where people go, you know, I imagine God to be. It's like, you know what? No, you, you can't imagine him. This is something supernatural that has to happen where the spirit of God enters into a person. That's why Jesus said in, in John 6, he says, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. No help at all. Your, your eye can't see, your ear can't hear. Your mind can't conceive, but the Spirit could reveal it to you. There is a wisdom, and it's the Spirit that has to, has to get into this person. That's why Paul says, look, I'm not living in the safe zone. I'm bending it all on the Spirit. I'm bending it all on the gospel. I'm bending it all on the cross, and this is going to look so stupid to some people. See, but I don't like to bet it. I like to stay here because I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to bet it all on the cross. I don't want to trust completely in the Holy Spirit. There's things I can do in the flesh to keep me in the safe zone. And Jesus says, that's great, but the flesh is no help at all. That does nothing. And Paul says, actually, my flesh can get in the way. So I resolve to know nothing because I don't want to empty the cross of its power. Look, if we're not careful... We could spend our lives justifying why these things don't happen anymore. I hear it all the time. Well, you know, you're talking about this transformation, but it, that sanctification's a lot slower now. And, you know, I mean, a person can be a Christian for like years and years and years, and you can't even tell the difference, there's no fruit, and then suddenly nine years later, you'll see a little fruit. 
all right, maybe. You know, is, is there a slight, slight chance of that? I don't know. I don't think so, but maybe. And we can spend our lives going, well, you know, you're talking about this body where everyone loves each other, but we live in a culture that's individualistic. It's not family-oriented. So to expect the church to be this family with this supernatural love for each other, it's just not going to happen in our country. And I just go, really? Are, are we giving up on this? And creating this safe zone that we can all live in and, and, and make it look like we've got some fruit going on and make it so that we cannot fail. It's hard to live by faith. It's hard to empty yourself and resolve to know nothing and say, you know what? I'm not going to empty the cross of its power. I'm going to believe that this is going to be all of the Spirit and I'm going to spend my time praying and begging and pleading to God and then going up there with the simple gospel, the simple word of God, and not feel like my flesh is gonna add something to that. Look, I, what I wanna be careful to do is, uh, I'm not talking about strategy right now. I, I, sometimes people misinterpret me. Yeah, right now, I'm working with, with smaller house churches, but I'm not against the mega church. I led a big church, and I, I don't know what's gonna work best. I just know right now, at this point in my life, I'm supposed to pursue this and multiplying this. It might not work. It might not bring the most glory to God when I, I don't know. I think it is, and I go down that direction, but if it doesn't work, I'll take over a mega church. It's just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm being honest right now. Like, I go, this is just what I'm pursuing. I don't know. Okay, so this is not about, okay, is it about the big church? I've done that, small church, I've done that. There's pros and cons, and both. I'm trying to figure it out myself. It's not about that. I don't want to make it, those things we can argue about all day, and it's fine. It's fine to disagree. I disagree with myself, you know, on these things. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But there are things that are non-negotiable. And that's hopefully what I've presented to you, that it is wrong when the church does not love each other and function like a body. That's just sin. Like that's just a breaking of God's command. Like you're not even pursuing that body that he wanted. I, I heard a guy last, yesterday say, you know, he goes, man, I felt like I spent, he's from Alabama. So he said, I thanks. I, I, they all sound the same. I, I, he said, um, I'm sorry, I can't say that here in Texas. What am I thinking? Um, thinking I'm back in California mocking you guys. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> He said, I, I feel like I spent my whole life making a pie that he don't want to eat. <laughs> you know, it was just the whole thing of, am I creating this thing where, you know, at the end, he says, this is the body that I want. This is the church I called you to, to create. And we need to fight for that. That's what he wants. That's what we want, right? Don't you want that? Don't you, don't you just love to be a part where everyone loves each other? Shut up. We walk in, everyone loves this, loves me, I love them. And it's like, this could only be of God. Like, that's a non-negotiable. We've got to pursue that. I know it's wrong when we elevate people too much. And I, I don't even know how to address this. I just see it in the Corinthian church where, he, you know, the Corinthian church was so messed up. You got a guy sleeping with his stepmom. You got prostitution going on. You got people drunk at communion. You know, you got people saying, ah, oh, the Spirit just told me Jesus is cursed. 
This type of stuff is going on, and the first thing Paul addresses is I, he says, I hear there's divisions among you. <laughs> what? He's with his stepmom. You know, like, that's the first thing you're going to say? He goes, yeah, one guy's like, oh, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Piper. I follow Chandler. Right? And there's, I do it. I do it. I'm, I get so bugged when people lift me up to a position I don't want to be in, and yet I do the same thing to other guys. That I respect. And somehow we've got to figure it out. And we know that's wrong. And I just know that the way that we market certain things using some of these people, it's just not right. It's just not right. I'm not saying I have the answer to it. I'm just saying we've got to figure it out because that is not honoring to God. And that's not what he's going to bless when we lift up people and suddenly the name of Jesus gets muddled in all of that. He hates that, and we've got to fight against that. And i got 30 seconds. Um, I'm really going to finish in 30 seconds. I'm like, um, okay, I've got to hurry. Now I've got 20. You know, it's wrong when we don't make disciples, when we're, when we're ashamed of the gospel. That's just wrong. It's just wrong. We've got to change that. that, that when we deny him, we know that sin. And so I'm just going to leave you with that. Look, let's, let's change so many things we know we need to change, but let's keep rejoicing in that, and let's trust and take the risk down here and say, no, the gospel's still there, the spirit's still there, the body still can be the body, I'm going after it, I may look stupid, but I believe when we trust that, that's what we're going to get here.